0: 1 1 1 This is a wagon you're eating it benza and two outlaws on the lamb taking the back roads through America You
1: can't drink a coffee for this show And now it's time for Monday Madness with the Moped Outlaws Greg and Mark Wow, I think we actually nailed that right on time.
0: Oh, my goodness. Welcome to the party.
1: (laughs) Ah, Number 69.
0: The ritualistic discussion of how to build things, secret societies, and sex.
1: And sex, which is kind of a secret society in itself. People still trying to figure out that one.
0: It depends on who you're hanging out with, I guess.
1: Well, I haven't met anyone yet who seems to have it nailed down 24-7.
0: What do you mean? Have sex nailed down 24-7?
1: Yeah, what it is. Like, just continual, joyful, bountiful pleasure, you know, yeah, everyone I know, it's like, yeah, I've met, you know, I've got this, and then you know, months go by. Well, that wasn't quite it, or something crops up to shadow the situation.
0: Well, I think that's the shifting energies are always going to be there. There's no this idea that it's all pat down pat and and steady Eddie as you go. I don't think that actually is real, and even in the relationships that appear that way. But I think our ability to move with the shifting energies is the art of it. That's the art of sex: is learn right, especially for men. What you know, you know, put tab A into slot B, and go, you know, go, go, go. There's like there's a method and a strategy, and this is how it works. And we're going somewhere, and I want to get there. And more and more, I'm finding that sex is actually something that shifts in the moment and you want to keep your finger to the wind and your senses enlivened so that you can feel the energy shift. Um, Part of what is challenging for me in my life has to do with like wanting to follow some of those more intense energetics and um, looking for a way for them to find their outlet it's tricky. Like sometimes my partner doesn't want to go that direction. Right. Like I feel that. And so playing with m- my desire and then playing with what's present for my partner and then finding that sweet spot in right. where we both right. want to go, that's it. That's the thing. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I study it like I'm obsessed with wanting to figure out how this energy works and to me, right now, especially in this moment, um, I feel such excitement in my body and such um, aliveness in the quest to be a magnet, to be um, the Indiana Jones
1: of sex. <laughs> snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs>
0: But you know that finding that magic idol, going on the long adventure, danger, right? right. All of those things,
1: love and interest. It.
0: Yeah, exactly. <sighs> that was heavy. I felt myself ground into my.
1: <laughs> yeah, because damn, it just. Feel like there's this, uh, currently my reality is, uh, a very ethereal experience of endless joy, bliss, bountiful in me. And it's not tangible enough to physicalize. So my experience is, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, can you hold on to that, cultivate it, and, and amplify it until it becomes irresistible?
1: <clears throat> it's a great question. And, you know, the, my knee-jerk answer is yes, of course. But then I sit with it, and I'm like, and maybe that's the problem. The you know, sitting with it is the mind comes in and starts tearing it apart.
0: Right. And, and that's not a problem.
1: But yeah, and that is the physicalizing of things. You know, you start going, okay, like I'm going to go to the library and get a book. And then you have a book in hand, but it's, it was grounded and physicalized. And that's the piece I think I'm struggling with personally is, um, because the grounding and physicalizing of these ethereal blisses are not meeting. <laughs> the essence of what I'm feeling. Well,
0: I think that's one of the reasons that it's such an amazing thing when it happens. Yes. is such an amazing thing because it takes all of this alignment and attunement and all of these energies to kind of sync up for it to be mutually desirable. And I think men struggle specifically. I know I struggle with the immediacy of my desire Versus the, the nature of, ha- of how it all comes together and how conjuring up the moment and putting my energetic attention on creating the conditions whereby it can happen does not mean it will happen. And then I have to like re it the next day and the next day. And, and with each breath, I'm joyfully exploring the possibility of discovering the hidden treasure. <laughs> of it, like a minute ago. And even that has like a goal oriented kind of.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's it.
0: On one level, it's important to recognize and be in an approval of the fact that, you know, as a male, that's part of how my sex functions. There's like a goal right but to play with that goallessness gives me a broader range and, and more depth and that's it's totally counterint- uh counterintuitive it's very uncomfortable it's challenging yeah. it's, it's sexually frustrating to yeah. be holding all of that energy and and wanting and yearning so powerfully and then you know, overcoming the ancient old age old sort of you know dominator stuff that's going to take what it wants right that, that whole thing and, and living in the magic living in, in the mystery and the not knowing and the unattachment to the goal while at the same time allowing the full expression of my desire to get there <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's paradoxical and I think that's what sex is it's paradoxical And to the extent that we can make room for that ambiguity, the extent that we can playfully live in that discomfort and make it fun, that activates the space for the feminine.
1: That's the and thing and what me. I'm thinking of now, like, I, I missed what you just said. The what you,
0: fantasy I'm making up in my mind.
1: Yeah, well, because what, uh, <laughs> you know, it seems like the bliss <clears throat> is when the feminine and the masculine are perfectly one. That's really the bliss that I feel in my body. There's no... There's not one over the other. There's just sort of this energy that is very much both.
0: Well, right. And one way to look at it is in the body, in each of us as individuals, as men. Those feminine and masculine energies are real and exist. And we have access to both polarities or both the full range of that dynamic. rather than limit it to polarities. And so I think that's part of that game of of cultivating the magic is allowing that to sort of move in you. Now, the thing that happens is if you're in your feminine, when she's craving the masculine, then you're going to be out of sync.
1: (sighs) Wow. So, but... (laughs) I mean, the responsibility of the moment when more than one is involved is a very interesting conundrum that i ponder often
0: say more about that why is it a conundrum
1: because what you just mentioned like if you're in your feminine and she wants the masculine and you're you're out of sync But who's responsible for that moment of -of out-of-syncness? Is it you being in your masculine? Is it, I mean, feminine? Is it her wanting the masculine? Like, you've both made choices that have brought who you are as individuals to this moment that is now to out-of-sync. Right. That's a temporary state. And yeah, that's a great wants, song about cheating. <laughs> the mind wants
0: to imagine that that out of syncness is a fixed state, and that it means something about who we right. are right. and right. what it meant right. and the relationship. The truth is, everything's in flux all the time. And if you if you can attune and then shift, that's a form of practice. So that if you recognize if you're feeling in your feminine and you recognize that there's this desire for your masculine, if you can shift into that desire and you want to.
1: Right. You and, I, happen? you and I were just talking about some entities that have been physicalized on this planet and existed. And then some of the energies that bolstered them or tore them apart. And there's, My whole point to that is like, I want to actualize some things. There are some things that I want to do.
0: You have a goal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, yes. And,
1: and, and so the, the, that's what, like, for lack of a better word, this energy of balance and joy. Well, let's not even name it something else. So this energy of balance and joy—that's what I want to create from, and that's what I want to physicalize from. That's what I want to create a career from. And um, are you familiar with that um, Kanye song? Um, nope. You can't tell me nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that of course is really cool.
0: Kanye, I was like, nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta wait till I get my money right. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and um, so that what's
0: was, the theme of that? What is he saying in the song that's so apropos to what you're saying?
1: Well, it was just that verse. I want to get my money right. Like, that's part of what I want to do this life. And, um, and I want to actualize that in a very joyful, bountiful manner. Okay.
0: I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> I want that too. And I think there's a tie into to our sexual energy, right? Like that if our sexual is right, restricted exactly. or somehow out of alignment with our in the in its relationship to ourselves, in terms of our relationship to our sexual energy is out of alignment, that it's probably out of alignment in other areas as well. That right. creative power, right. right, that causes abundance right. to come into being, Right. And so I want to tease the fuck out of that shit until it's just k- screaming oh. to step into my
1: zone, right?
0: And playfully and funnily and and without attachment to is it today or not? That's what I want, right? And sometimes, most of the time, that's I'm not See, that I thing. think. I'm in- like, why isn't this happening? Rawr.
1: What- And it could be the semantics of the whole thing. But when I hear teasing so it becomes so titillated and juicy that it wants to step into my zone, what I feel in my body with that statement is it's giving up its zone. And what I think we're both going for is a merging and blending of zones that keeps that equanimity and joy There is no loss involved. Something isn't being given up. Instead, there's an exponential increase of joy.
0: Agreed. And and it's sort of like something Carlos Santana said about doing a great guitar solo. The first step is getting out of your own way. Yeah. And allowing the, the flow to happen, right? But that's, if it were easy, would it matter as much? Like what I noticed about guys who I've met who are in a state of sexual abundance in their life, there's a level, I've seen it, a level of boredom and, and a kind of like, you know, where's the imagination in it, right? And I think if you eat ice cream every day, it's not going to be as fun. Well maybe. I haven't had a chance to try sex every day for a while. And
1: now you can't because of your agreements. Um well,
0: ice cream I can't. Sex yeah. I could do every
1: no, day. No, no, I know. That's I that was <laughs> talking about ice cream. Not much difference sometimes from the look of one's face.
0: I like sex and candy. That <laughs>
1: yeah. just I was thinking there's a cheech and chan bit. That's anyway, it's not worth mentioning.
0: Okay. Yeah, um, Don't come up on the top 10 sexy list Very often
1: yeah, It involves ice cream <laughs> um, For all those Who listened to Cheech and Chong in the 70s I'm sure you Remember that But here's sure Here, you I've need thought.
0: hearing aids at this point
1: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> What?
0: <laughs> don't try to think about it too hard
1: I want sex And Candy. Yeah. Who's that? I mean, even like the whole um, Michael Jackson thing, the, I was just listening to Andrew Schultz's stand-up bit that he sold himself for a bit, and now he threw it out for free on YouTube recently, just a week or so ago. Um, and he does a bit about Michael Jackson and listening to his music and what he did. And there's a book that I listened to. I think I've mentioned it before. That this young, Well, this man wrote, and he grew up with Michael as a close friend and friend of the family, and he talked about in his experience those two men that claimed that Michael molested them, like the father was out to get Michael's money from day one and the whole vibe was kind of off, and he personally – never experienced anything like that or witnessed anything similar and just talked about the vulnerability that Michael had being who he was, that anyone who came into his realm just had the potential to take advantage and create chaos, and that's what happened. Yes, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying there is an element with this sex thing that is so volatile that there are some people who you bring it up in conversation and it just sets off mass hysteria.
0: There's a lot of trauma around sex in our culture. Yes. A lot of trauma. Yeah. There's trauma around male identity, there's trauma around women feeling pressured all the time. It's all real. It's all right. and and sex is that such a primal source of energetic intensity that whenever we enter into discussions about it, it raises the level of sensation in the conversation and in the field. And <clears throat> that's why we love it is that energies the, it's the core creative energy of the universe, right? It's, it's very connected to love and the under the intersection between love and sex is is the stuff of poets of the ages. It's the stuff of songs. It's the thing that is most ephemeral. And it's like trying to hold a glass of water in your bare hand. It's like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> have, have you ever read the son of songs from the Bible? The book of Solomon? I think it is
0: the book of Solomon.
1: Yeah. It's often referred to as the son of songs,
0: the Psalm of Psalm? Son,
1: son, song, song, Psalm song.
0: I think we talked about this before.
1: Yeah, it is very sensual, very romantic, and like, so what you're
0: saying is the key to good sex is reading the Bible to your girlfriend?
1: I'm saying reenacting it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> reenacting it. Now there's a whole new fantasy realm. I haven't seen that listed on the um
1: porn dot com
0: sex ranch menu.
1: <laughs> I'd like the crucifixion fantasy, please.
0: <laughs> Would you? That's that's a
1: deep. If I can send this world. on. If I'm able to send this on while it's happening, then yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Like Monty Python's Life of Brian just yep. took a whole new realm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think they have those little loin cloths that barely are hanging on?
0: Oh, this is gonna go crazy, but I can't stop myself. When I there's um underground comics from the sixties and seventies. And when I was a teenager, they were all over my house. My dad had them. My uncle had them. And uh, one of them was called Leather Nun. And it was, like, talk about getting sexualized at a young age. Like, I was
1: like, oh, <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> wow!
1: You could <can> do that! <laughs> right? And I think
0: it, it's interesting, because the dynamics around where we have, um, uh, you know, conditioning and we have, um, limitations often are, can be uh, associated with our uh, edges around our turn on. And so the the whole idea of the taboo is, is essential to the sexual uh, arousal piece. Like there's something about doing it anyway, right? Even though it's it's taboo, And
1: that's why people cheat and get caught with nefarious things and,
0: Nefarious. That's such an interesting word. I think in the context of sexual taboo, one of the problems we have as a culture is that we do we do make people wrong for it, and we do, you know, are there's a whole whole lot of conditioning around whatever it is that excites you is bad. And you know, I'm heterosexual, and one of the things I admire about the struggles that um, the LGBTQ plus uh, community has gone through is. They've gotten really super clear on their sexual preferences and then own them in some cases in a very public way without – and then suffering whatever um, shame and retribution comes up around the society at large. And I admire their capacity to get through that, to be like a, – take a strong stand for what they – want in their sexuality, even though it goes against the grain of society and to, to live with themselves in that struggle.
1: But I, I think it's not even clear individually, like there's an overt mm-hmm. image being portrayed there, but I've talked with people in that realm that are still questioning their sexuality and like, just like you and I are discussing, there isn't, it isn't fixed. Like it isn't fixed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But the willingness to be out there and uh, open about the fact that there's a broad range for me as an individual, right? That is what I'm talking about because it, it requires you to be so, so in much self-approval, of your desire and your core sexual urges and longings to be able to actually seek them out and then not be feel and to try to break through whatever shame shows up around it. The
1: See, that always brings me to remembering when I was in the sex ed class at SFSU and there was the guest speaker who had a sexual relationship with his dog and he was a, why
0: do we have to talk about this?
1: Because you're—that's t- per- what you're saying—is exactly the words he was saying, and he,
0: right? Okay. So what you what we found is one that we are both in disapproval of. Like that's to me that's beyond the, the edge. Well, of- I'm
1: not even a hundred percent clear on that for myself.
0: Okay. Well, I am. But
1: okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me just say there's a very minor percent that still holds a question. Like, well, maybe. <laughs>
0: I get what you're saying, because here's, here's the, the scenario. I get
1: his points, because his points were, you know, just a few decades ago, homosexuality was thought as the way you're thinking of bestiality right now.
0: Well, let's not color me as judging him so much as I'm clear about what my preferences are. And I don't particularly want to be... Um, in a public setting where that kind of thing is on display, right? So
1: right.
0: Um, I think this is a, a really hot edge that you're talking about. And I don't mean that in – it turns me on. I mean it in
1: the – Right, right. Like, right. like
0: where the, the discussion here, right? Like where does – and then this is what Puritanists talk about. It's like, well, when we start down the path of Sodom and Gomorrah, where does it end, Right. right. And That's you brought up Michael Jackson saying. and pedophilia uh, by proxy, right? And and I, I think people, there are reasonable places for there to be boundaries as a culture and as a society, and that there are ways for us to make health around this issue an important theme, and at the same time have compassion for and a willingness to meet whatever it is that is driving things like bestiality and pedophilia with um, intelligence and awareness without necessarily deciding we want them accepted and that they aren't criminal, right? Like there are things that I think we could agree are criminal. It's easy for most people to say murder. Pedophilia is a, a really close one for that. And I particularly agree because of the violation of innocence, the concept of consent. And I don't think children can give consent, even though their bodies might be responsive in some way. Um, And I just want to say, I feel very uncomfortable talking about this subject because I think that a lot of people have a lot of intense emotions about it. It's one thing to be compassionate for someone who's, um, thinks that this is a sexual orientation. I don't think it's an actual orientation. I think that it is, um, it's something that's not quite right in their mind or in their body. And I don't think it's something I would want to encourage in our culture. And I, I think that at that point I would want to deal with medicine or with psychology and if necessary, isolation, imprisonment so that it's not there now bestiality pedophilia this guy that you're talking about at sfsu this is where a lot of conservatives get really upset because they're like look these same people that are pro-gay the next thing they'll be saying is that it's okay to for someone who's not of the age of consent to want sex or to become a different sex
1: right right now we're
0: right on the edge of the cultural discomfort right now. We're talking about the very thing that's driving division in our culture. That wasn't really what I wanted to talk about when I was talking about (laughs) it.
1: But here's what I'm believing. This is what I think. We can't shy away from this conversation to arrive at a place that is healthy and natural. And I believe I'm in agreement with you that in our healthy natural state, the Proclivity to have sex with an animal or an innocent youngster won't exist. That's not natural. That is a corruption of thought and state of being. Um, Why so, is it
0: to bring it into the conversation, though?
1: Because when one says. That you follow your bliss and, and I forget, I'm going to paraphrase your words, but what I was hearing is, you know, this, this joy de vere and following one's bliss and exploring and this and that. What comes up for me is the cautionary and like, okay, and let's be mindful in this release of subjugation and closeness let's also be mindful in that process so that we don't go into a place that is unnatural and harmful right
0: so you're saying no boundaries isn't necessarily the right approach
1: i'm saying no boundaries in a mindful manner
0: yeah yeah so we must have regimented tantra classes for every citizen
1: and they have to be twenty dollars a minute <laughs> uh, and if you call this number now, one eight hundred six, nine, six nine, um I think that was it, probably there's a possibility that like in this like yay, like okay, yay, and I've been picturing a hot air balloon, and let's keep in mind that there's weights to the hot air balloon, so you just don't go flying off and kill yourself.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, the sweet spot for me is really about my own personal journey, which doesn't... I don't fear is going to go veering off into those realms.
1: Right, but part of my personal journey is hearing this guy talk for an hour.
0: Right. What What was it about it that really stuck with right. you all these years, and, and how... In what way does it impact you now? Is there something about your own desire? No,
1: I don't have any desire to explore anything with that. No, no, I'm
0: not suggesting that. What I'm saying is where are you not willing to touch the areas of your own sort of felt sense of limitation around something that you do have a desire for?
1: Well, here's what I think has stuck with me, what he said, and I said it just earlier, how he said, in this moment right now, the thoughts and feelings that you have about bestiality, you know, that society holds, are equated to what was believed about homosexuality. And in human evolution homosexuality is now recognized to be natural. Right. But
0: what did the teacher say after the guest? What was the teacher's context for having this person there? What did they assign you?
1: As part, They of- were saying to us, like, hey, look at your own. Um,
0: Preferences.
1: And your own. What's the word? Like your, your own. Um, Conditioning. Conditioning and bias. Ill bias. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Look at your own biases with sex. You know, here's someone who's saying this, and I think the teacher had him because I believe the teacher. My My understanding is the teacher supported this guy's relationship with his dog. Okay,
0: so uh, this has come up a couple times now in our podcast. And so what I'm wondering is why is it relevant to you that you think it's part of a conversation about the mystery and majesty and magic of creating the sex that we both want in our relationships? What's hot? What is it about this issue that's so um, important to you? Do you feel held back somewhere? Do you feel like you're there's part of you that's disapproved of by society. I mean,
1: hmm.
0: as cis white
1: male... No, I and- don't feel that way. Yeah, as a cis old white male. Us <laughs>
0: complaining America. about it's, it's, Anyway.
1: Hey, I had this thought when um, all the people uprising, you know, against cis white European males, when that cis white old European male is finally marginalized, then what are we going to do?
0: Yeah, you're changing the subject. Um,
1: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Only, actually for a moment. Only for a moment.
0: No, but you're trying to, you, there's part of you that it doesn't want to answer the question I asked you. No. I. To...
1: Am I feeling there's a part of me that isn't accepted by society? Like, I can yes. feel that energy in me. Mm -hmm. That energy exists.
0: Yeah. And I think that 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 point of edge for people is different for every person. That sense of I have a desire that might be disapproved of and the the consequences of that might be ostracization, um, a lack of connection, right? That feels real for everybody depending uh, wherever they are on the spectrum. Uh, right.
1: That's what I'm saying. I think that like when I feel that energy, it's that energy that you and I are, we've had conversations, that victim energy. That's what I feel in me. You know, it's like, oh, I'm the victim. Nobody gets me. Right. Wah, 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 wah.
0: You're ostracizing yourself at that point because you aren't actually even trying. You're just deciding that you're not.
1: It's well, not but what I'm up. saying is that's the energy that's in me. That creates that experience, those thoughts, those thoughts.
0: If you you were to confront that sense of danger, confront that by actually going and doing the thing that's your edge.
1: I don't, wait a second. Are you talking about sex? Yeah. I don't have, no, I don't have any sexual desires that I feel are challenged by society
0: okay so why does this come up then
1: because when you generally speak about exploring and the joy de veer and like to me it's like it's the weight of the hot air balloon let's let's bring this let's remember that there's some sandbags that are a part of this ride because you don't want to just go off and kill yourself
0: so what's telling you that what part of you is saying that there has to be sandbags
1: the part that knows that if you're in a hot air balloon, you just keep going up and up and up, you'll die.
0: You'll freeze to death.
1: Yeah, you'll die.
0: So whatever the sandbags are, and whatever the altitude is that you're that each individual experiences as the place where they're afraid they're going to freeze to death, that's different elevations for different people, yeah. right? To use your metaphor, right. but part of what makes people so desirous of it is to find out to go to that place and experience that euphoria and risk death and and risk ostracization and disapproval and right
1: but i think that's how families are ruined and cheating happens and hearts are broken and you know like that's that part of the that train of thought is like you said there's this titillation in the moment, like oh, shouldn't be doing this, but so damn exciting, and you jump into bed, and now your kids are like, oh, where's dad? Oh, he's fucking someone else, and
0: right. So what keeps coming up in the conversation is the 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 fact that it's always going to end up there. Like no,
1: you, not you look, always. No, okay. no, no, no. But here's very because
0: bring it up. You always go there, right? Yeah. I'm talking about the edge, and you're talking about, you. that always leads to just to get the chaos. And I'm like, well, it's okay, well,
1: because you're on the edge, and you're not looking over into the, the darks, the pit. But that's on the edge. you're just looking I'm, this way.
0: I'm capable of seeing the pit, right? But I'm much mm-hmm. more interested in the edge. I want to know, you know, is where's that sweet spot where we can be fully expressed, fully curious lean into our level of sexual desires that might be somewhat um, edgy for certain aspects of society and then experience them as actually okay and not life-threatening and not disruptive uh, of relationships.
1: Well, there's that Prince song. And again, I'm going to paraphrase, but he says when two are in love, you know n- nothing is off whatever you do it's all good cuz you're in love <clears throat> okay
0: so that's also similar to what the puritan viewpoint is too that it's it's only okay between two people and a safe, you know, harmonious matrimonial situation.
1: No, because I think you're, that's, we both know matrimony does not create love of itself. Love is love. What? Okay.
0: What I'm getting at is I'm talking about edgy and you're talking about two and monogamy basically. And so is that a framework that feels confining for you?
1: I'm not talking about monogamy per se. Um,
0: You're talking about love, about union. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's this thing that I've read about called eros gamos, which is the, the ultimate union of the masculine, the feminine, and the sexual, where they come together in unity and it's blissful. Right. And is that kind of what you're referring to?
1: Yeah, and in that, like, because I think what you're hinting at is, like, S&M and these edgy sexual things that are not necessarily, that are edgy. And and part of what I hear in this Prince song is, like, they aren't edgy. Like, if two are in love, you explore everything, and it's all... Do
0: so was a cultural vehicle for people to find freedom in their sexual desires. I mean, he was androgynous before androgyny was, I mean, the only person that I can think of prior to him was like David Bowie. Right. And there probably were more, I'm just not that culturally aware, but the idea being that he's coming up in this conversation because this thing that he said is opening the doors. When you love someone, when you feel that sense of connection and safety and, union then whatever your sexual desires are okay right what i'm getting at is your sexual desires are okay whether you're in love or not
1: right that's well yes and i and i you're right like there is an element where i want to vocalize and master it because of its own without mastery it is. It could be very dark and ugly,
0: right? But the idea that you think you can put it in a box like that—that's not real. Doesn't well, work, now, right.
1: right? I do recognize that,
0: right? So the mastery is in the willingness to uh, to sit with and manage and be in pre- and be present to the the possibility that it could get out of control. The possibility that it, it's not something you can manage or keep in a box. I think that's why it excites people.
1: And that's why I keep bringing up this guy from SFSU.
0: Well, because you go right to the point of departure where it topples over the edge for both of us, right? (laughs) And what I'm saying is there's a range between there and what I'm talking about that's got so much more in it to discover. It's as if, you know, let's say... You have a volume knob and your your stereo, and from 1 to 3, it gets a little bit louder, and then from 3 to 5, it gets a little bit louder. And then suddenly, if you turn it up to 6, it's as loud as if you turned it up to 10. And I'm saying that there that there's a whole big range in there. I
1: hear you. I get you now. I right? All right.
0: And so what what is that range, and how do we be present for our partners to f- create yeah. The safety, the sense of possibility for them, and what you're saying is that love is the root of that. And I get that because
1: right. But I also get like you just opened up. Like I am now clear that I am missing out on some range because I just jump off the edge of the cliff. Like you're like whoa well, whoa well, why'd you jump? You know there was there was more to that. Right. 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 I get that,
0: and and it's okay. To to say, you know, something dirty to your partner. And if oh, they get turned right. off by it and the sex stops, that's okay. Right. But we feel it as life-threatening, especially people like I'm gonna speak for myself, although you can chime in if you have resonance with this. My attachment style is formed out of some very early experiences as a child where I felt very vulnerable to the safety and security of my primary relationships. My parents were not well-grounded in their life, and they split up, and my mom was volatile, and there were lots of things that happened that had me feel like I can't trust my sense of belonging or or the intimacy of my relationships to be there when I want them to be, when I need them to be. And so that has me as an adult, if I let that run me, if I'm not conscious of it, that has me running an attachment style that wants to keep things controlled and keep them safe and, and make sure that I'm okay. And that, that the relationship won't suffer. But, um, you know, if I let that stop me from saying, I want you to like put a dildo in my ass when you're sucking my dick, I'm going to be in heart. I'm going to be in a bad place around my sexuality because I'm, I have this desire that is limiting My expression and limiting the range.
1: Do you have a desire? Oh,
0: I definitely do. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here, and my cheeks are very hot right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I want. I'm willing to brave the slings and arrows of your disapproval. As a reminder that that thing that you secretly want that you aren't willing to ask your partner for might be the exact thing that brings you back into that high level of resonance with them. And it also might mean that they judge you and, and don't and think you're um, perverted. That's the way it goes. But if you can't risk it.
1: Well, have you had experience in your current partnership without getting too personal, which (laughs) I think is impossible now that I think about it? I can actually
0: answer the question.
1: (laughs) Um, But have you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. Go ahead, ask the question.
1: I kind of forgot it. What I'm wondering is have you experienced something where you felt. very vulnerable and and like really like on the hot seat uncomfortable and you were able to in that moment know that this too would pass and that this wasn't a reflection of the relationship as a whole it was just a moment So
0: when you say this too will pass are you referring to the feeling of vulnerability
1: Right and hot seat and uncomfortableness You know, like
0: it's hard for me to actually know that about it, but I know that innately. Right. Right. But in the moment you're on the hot seat, it feels like forever. Yeah. Right. It feels like you're going to end up going off the cliff into oblivion.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And I think that point, that place, that edge is part of why people love sex is because when you go over that edge, when you get in the yellow, and you, it was, die. Ostracized and you don't lose your connections, there's this affirmation that pours in afterwards of, of what you want and of your desire and, and of what it means to be a human and experience this body and, and, and the appetites that go with it. And so when you are able to stretch to a level of receiving that has – You know, those things become more and more available to you in the partnership you're in without judgment, fear of reprisal and all that stuff. It helps bring you back to this state of contentment and of alignment. And for someone like me who has, you know, uh, attachment style issues from my childhood, being able to be in that state and feel loved and honored and cared for despite that. Gives me a lot of of sense of of help of of happiness and and an expanded sense.
1: Your sister joined us.
0: She did. She said hello, w- which is very interesting. I wonder if she heard that other comment. <laughs> a few minutes ago.
1: I wonder if she'd like to join us.
0: I'm not sure. I want her to join us.
1: <laughs> a little too personal, right now. Huh? Well, you know. Uh, Do you get what I mean? Absolutely. I think yeah. like part of what I'm hoping for for myself is um No, that- you,
0: you missed something good, Doran. I'm glad you missed <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to go back for the recording later.
1: <laughs> it was definitely some childhood stuff and some present stuff. But part of what I hope for myself is that my mastery of mind is such... That when I'm in that place of discomfort, okay. where everything's falling apart, that I'm still aware that it isn't. Like, I'm aware there is a storm. I heard it once described by this uh, Buddhist monk wonderfully, where he said, in consciousness, it's like a ocean. And there's this raging storm going on on the surface with... You know, 150-foot waves, and on the surface, trouble. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you go down 200 feet, and it's perfectly calm. And that's what I'm hoping for myself, is that in the midst of a storm, I still have an anchor to my core where it's calm and one and peaceful.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to use the metaphor anchor. Yeah, but what my point of view is, yes, and being in being able to occupy both states simultaneously. um, That's one of the things that's possible through sex is this idea that there's a grounded safety that's a bit that's there. And then there's the um, all of the energy moving and going where it wants and it's not necessarily being in control of it. That's so exciting on some level and to some degree being able to surrender to that is part of the joy of it. And then the love, the context of love in the relationship is how we feel like it won't get to the point where we lose connection and we're ostracized and we're left raw and alone.
1: Yeah. Here's the other thing I noticed from, excuse me, for myself. This joyful, ethereal feeling that I have that has an imagery to it of sex and the joy of being sexual. It wants a partner with that. And what happens, I think, is that that's where it's like, well, who's the partner available right now? And... I can make poor choices because that isn't really what I want. That person isn't really, you know, but there's this thing like, oh, like it wants to be embodied. This feeling wants to be physicalized and actualized. And
0: And part of male sexual desire, the biology of it is that it wants to go to that, the closest, nearest, quickest physical representation
1: of that. Right, right. Right.
0: And that's the thing that we have the opportunity to work with to bring discernment into because the implications of that, of doing it that way, there's ramifications to it, spiritual ramifications, cultural ramifications, you know, all of those things.
1: Okay, you're going to love this, but that's partly why I think... um, well, here's what – all right, let me – English, it's coming to me. Um, <laughs> I think there's an element of perversity that I've heard exists with taking someone's life, that there is um, – okay, I'm going to show Doran's – Just
0: bring her on.
1: <laughs> Let's see if I can. Um,
0: you want to join the conversation, Doran? We're going to try and bring you on here.
1: Yeah, I'm going to – um,
0: Meanwhile, try to speak English. You were trying to say something. I know. Yeah. So, when art
1: takes Um what I've heard from some people interview. Up, oh, she said, "No, thank you." Okay, great. Um, so, I wonder because we know that there are chaotic perversions that people are making a living from. And what I've heard from people who become hit people in interviews or, you know, take lives, the gang members and stuff, there's something that happens with that first one. And if you keep doing it, the impact, lessons and lessons. You
0: become desensitized to it.
1: Yeah. So I wonder if in with perversion, there's an element, like you do that first thing that's like, perverted but you know it's edgy and like oh i'm still alive and you know you
0: end up chasing the dopamine and that dopamine can become more elusive and i think that's the argument that puritans can make right but i want to actually address doran's question and i think doran's asking does this do we sense a change in this over the biography meaning over the course of a man's life does his sexual desire become more refined and less apt to find the shortest distance and the, the, the quickest satisfaction. Don't chime in if that's the nature of your question. I think the answer is yes, it does change over time. And that we become more refined as we become more conscious of the impacts of that desire. And then we also have, you know, there's a cycle to our hormones that, so when you're 18 to 26, there's one level of it. And then, you know, depending on who you are, <clears throat> that can shift earlier around the mid thirties, or it can shift later in life towards where satisfying that base we'll call it base urging is not as urgent and 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 it dissipates a little. Um well, I, that's the answer to what I think Doran's asking.
1: <clears throat> well so then you have People who like um God, I'm just forgetting his name now. The film producer um, who started the Me Too movement.
0: Oh, Epstein, No, uh, 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 yeah, Weinstein.
1: Weinstein, right? Like he
0: the movement. He was just the f- person that.
1: Well, I, you know what? Yeah, I, yeah. I realized that. Anyway, a
0: woman started um, the movement. Like I think
1: there, So here's someone who had the money and power to keep chasing this chaotic element to his sexual drive and no one like well, I, don't think, I don't think I think it changed for the worse over his biography if you're talking about biography as a timeline because of his money and power it changed for the worse
0: right but money and power Sting also had money and power and he his changed To a more reverent state he pursued the tantric union with his wife and and became an example because he was willing to share that truth right Mm -hmm. so i think it it really depends on the individual and like most things and being a human being is you have we have free will we can do everything the question of should we and what are the ramifications are that's what it is to be in this biography? That's what karma is about. It's like right. figuring this out. <laughs>
1: <sighs> <sighs> oh, so, I don't, don't know where to go, back. I just <laughs> know like, it. I love that
0: it. you took a deep breath. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe we peaked. That's cool,
1: right? Like, I just Part that is that is Part. the conundrum of life. You nailed it.
0: Yeah, so what, what you what you come from where you come from who raised you those contexts matter and then how you what your values are and how you show up matter too and yeah. so what what i strive for in my life is more like the sacred union i don't want to just chase dopamine Right. Doran says, I think perversions may become drivers and the individual may not be conscious. And that's true because the the dopamine response becomes an addictive, habituated response. And the conscious mind, the I, the I am begins to get sublimated and um, becomes entrenched in that the satisfaction of that that response and the will to good is the key differentiator since so yeah. that will, then you're going to be led down the stream of your desire willy nilly crashing into whatever dopamine response you can find. But if your intention is to create a sacred union, then that is what you will hold out for, and you will you can play with that. It doesn't have to be a suffering. It doesn't have to be a like oh, there's so little of that. It's actually all around us. It's just how do we create the magnetism that brings it into our sphere, and then and, that's,
1: and that still brings me to how do we embody it and physicalize it on this planet in a healthy manner. Um, I love that she's <laughs> – <laughs> um, she
0: <laughs> We are so lucky to have you during the
1: feminine union in this yeah.
0: conversation. And but, it's, it's great that you're here. She you said know, consent requires consciousness and communication, and if consent is an agreed-upon foundation. And I think that's essential to what we're talking about as the higher plane union, right?
1: and i think we have to recognize it's fluid too that consent could be real in a moment and the next moment it may not exist and to have the space in the consciousness to communicate that change in a healthy manner is really important to the health of all involved
0: and then the, the each partner trusting that the other one will honor that retention of consent or the rejection of consent in the moment
1: right Right, And And, that we aren't taught as kids. We aren't taught how that level of consciousness and communication, which is probably important to life.
0: There was an attempt to teach us that, but it was through the conditioning of hardcore limitations around religion.
1: The only thing that I can think of that taught me that was free to be you and me, which was a good attempt. But (laughs) (laughs) I think we all, I bet you all three of us grew up with that. Did you grow up with that?
0: I don't remember it myself.
1: No. Um, but I. The Marlo Thomas book and record she put out, Free to Be You and Me?
0: Yeah. No, that wasn't part of my experience. Oh, my God.
1: That was so part of mine. You know, when I think of perversion, I also think of our dear friend who now lives in San Rafael in a lockdown. Stop
0: right there. Stop right there. You just said, when I think of perversion, I think yeah. of my dear friend.
1: Yeah why dear no, friend. no here's what I'm saying though because that element that um, Dorn brought up the of lack um, of percent. a driver's perversionist drivers like this individual had a driver that they were out could they were not in they had no capability of controlling right this individual
0: it wasn't a sexual driver but I know
1: it. it was a uh, yeah, An inebriation it. driver where right. maybe there's not a whole lot of,
0: a, a neurological dopamine response that was triggered by the presence of a chemical.
1: Yeah. And yeah. this person, like, so these drivers, I mean, this gets into the Pandora's box so deeply of what creates these drivers of harm that no one, that we're, that an individual is unable to control.
0: Well, we can talk about what creates them, but I think the secondary question is what is it that helps people stay within them without falling off the abyss of them? Right. That moderating principle, right? What helps, right?
1: And can they be alchemized so that they no longer are perversions driving something, uh, the energy's shifted?
0: I, they can be alchemized, and the the guiding principles have been in the past presented to us as a code of behaviors that are acceptable, and that's a repressive force. And we've sort of said that we, we – and we clearly in 1969, we destroyed those in the West. And that was part of what the Christian right is now saying is, is the big problem with society is we got rid of all of those moderating influences that were – Part of our culture, and um, on one level, there's truth to that. But without getting rid of them, the individual person, the consciousness evolution, couldn't occur. So that those v- values would arise from within the individual and moderate, as opposed to the externalized cult of a coercion factor of it. And that's where we're at as 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 human beings now. That's the nature of our evolutionary edge right now. Is Can we moderate our individual desires in accordance with each other without having to have it be a repressive external policing of that aspect of ourselves? And that's the great question. Can we a lot's riding on it? Population growth, you know, environmental degradation. Yeah. And who is driving and how to be the driver syncing with the higher self. These are great questions. Doran's raising The, the reality is the I am, is driving. And so, our personal divinity, our personal willingness to understand and learn and cultivate aspects of ourselves that hold that framework of love as the core element. Because love doesn't want to destroy the creation, duh? love wants to have room for there to be all of it at the same time and not a toxic cesspool of perversity. Recording stopped.